Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I have a lot to say today, so can we jump right in? Come on, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, put on your seatbelt. All right, here we go. Jump right in. Matthew, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, your devices, you can look at the screen. Every note that's in front of me will be on the screen. Some exciting things are happening in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus just gets word from a man that his daughter's dead. Jesus shows up. He says, she ain't dead. She's sleeping. And he prays for her and... She gets up. How many know if you think your daughter's dead and Jesus shows up and she gets up, you're going to be excited. (laughs) You're going to be rowdy too, right? And so everybody's going crazy and saying, oh my gosh, this guy can raise the dead. And rumors are spreading about Jesus. Uh, That's the context of where we are in Matthew chapter 9. Then there's two men that hear that he just raised the dead and he's coming their way. If you hear that Jesus has resurrection power and he's about to pass by you and you need something, how many think you're going to grab a hold of him? You there. (laughs) I'm there. We're we're all there. And so, so two men meet a miracle. They hear about what's going on and they want some of the action. And here's what it says. Matthew chapter nine, you're going to see their condition. It says this, as Jesus went on from there, from the, the, the girl who was raised from the dead, it says, Two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When Jesus had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? He doesn't even ask him what he's able to do. He just says, do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done. And their sight was restored. Go back to verse 27 one more time. It says, and Jesus went from there, and it says to what kind of men? Blind men. And then he says, according to their faith. Blind faith. Blind faith. I want to preach a message to you this morning simply entitled, Blind Faith. You got it. Father, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the reading of your word. God, we all need blind faith. Faith to believe when we can't see. Thank you, God, for leading us. Thank you for speaking to us. It's your word that changes us. These aren't my words today, God. They're your words. So speak to your children. And may we never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we play pretend just for a little bit? Can, can we imagine? Uh, imagine with me just for a moment. If I asked you, we can walk out of this room and ask you the question, can you take me to your car? Now, some of you forgot where you parked already. <laughs> it's true, ain't it? That's why you park in the same spot every week, because you don't want to forget. <laughs> 
How many of you parked in, in, in one spot one week, parked in a different stop the next week, and then you go out that week to the previous spot you parked at last week only to f- figure out that way where you parked? Okay. I, I think every person in this room could walk me to your car and, and, and show it to me. Now, some may, it may take you a while to remember, but after a few minutes, you're going to find your car. Everybody in this room has the ability to take me to your car. Now, here's what I want you to do. Every person in this room, I just want you to close your eyes. Close them. Imagine what would happen in this room right now if you lost your sight. And you had to take me to your car blind. Keep your eyes closed. Maybe you would remember where you parked. Maybe you can remember the exact path to take. Maybe you would have to retrace your steps. But my question to you today is, how good would you be getting to your car if you had to do it blind? You can open your eyes. It's one thing to do something when you can see every step ahead of time. It takes a whole nother level of maturity to do the same task when you can't see. Blind faith. Everybody say it with me. Blind faith. Faith isn't faith until it's blind. If you can see every step along the way, then it's not faith. If you can see how to get to your car, then it's not faith. Faith isn't faith until it's blind. The pastor of the church that I got saved in 24 years ago, he used to get up about every other week and he used to preach about faith all the time and it was great. And he used to make this statement all the time. He'd say this, the enemy of faith is fear. How many of y'all heard that before? The enemy of faith is fear. And it sounded real good and it's partially true, but it's not completely true. I'm going to give you a couple enemies of faith this morning, but I want to tell you this one. The first enemy of faith is sight. Sight. For we walk by faith, not by sight, not by sight, not by, everybody say sight. I was talking to a couple, and it's been five or six years, and they were going through a difficult time. And How many know when you're walking through a difficult time, you can't see the end? Everybody else can see around you that you're going to make it, you're going to be okay, but sometimes when you're in it yourself, you can't see the end. And so they're walking through something that I walk, to, walk through, and they'll, they'll see somebody else walking through it, and they would tell them the same thing. They're going to tell them, you're going to make it. And I was sitting there in my office, and I, I know what they were going through, and I just knew it was going to be okay, and I just said, you're going to make it. I'm, I, I was telling them, God's going to heal this thing. God's going to do his thing. He's going to touch your family. He's going to restore this thing. And I never forget what the man said to me. He says, well, pastor, I just don't see it. I don't see it. And I think when we're going through difficult seasons, I think that's the attitude that a lot of us have in our faith life. I I just don't see what God can do. I just don't see how he's going to do it. I I don't see God doing anything significant in my life. I I don't see God doing anything great in my children. I I don't see God moving on my behalf. I mean, and we say things like this, have you seen my family? Have you seen my husband? Have you seen my kids? Have you seen my situation? 
Have you seen it? And I guess the question I want to ask today is this. Do you have the ability to believe it even when you don't see it? Jesus said it this way. He says, blessed are those who have not seen yet and still believe. Do we have the ability to believe Jesus even when we can't see it? Do we have the ability to trust Jesus even when we can't see it? Do we have the ability to trust Jesus with our children even when their present situation doesn't look good? Do we have the ability to trust Jesus with our healing even though the doctor's report doesn't look good? Do we have the ability to trust Jesus with our future even when it's tough in our present? Do we have the ability to believe even when we can't See, let's go back to our text. It says this. It says, as Jesus went from there, two blind men. Let's just stop right there. Two blind men followed Jesus. Two blind men followed Jesus. How do you follow anybody when you can't see? I need, I need some help this morning. Can I get two blind brothers to help me out? Pastor Myron, come on up here. Uncle Russ, y'all come on up here. Give it to the blind boys from Opelousas. Sounds like it'd be a singing group. I need y'all to stand right here. Y'all are going to be Blind brothers, face the audience. Can y'all just pretend like you're blind? No, that's not going to work. I, I, I brought something. The question is, who wants to be the kitty cat and who wants to be the unicorn? If you go ahead and put that on. Pastor Myron. Pastor Russ. Can you see anything? Can somebody just take a picture? (laughs) This is Instagram worthy right here. How do you follow When you're blind, follow me. All right, y'all stop, y'all stop. Y'all come back over here, I'm in the middle. Come back over here in the middle. Here we go. How do you follow when you're blind? Like this. Follow me. 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 Stop. The voice that you follow will determine the future that you experience. I just want you to think about the last 20 months. The world has gone blind. And I just want you to think about the voices that we've been following 
Through these last 20 months, it's been CNN saying follow me. It's been Fox News saying follow me. It's been social media saying follow me. It's been culture saying follow me. It's been your sister-in-law, Tina, saying follow me. you got to be careful of the voices that you listen to when it gets dark outside. We have to follow the voice of Jesus. Two blind men followed Jesus. I'm over here, boys. Come on, kitty cat. Follow me, follow me, follow me. Y'all give him a big hand. I'm going to send those home with y'all so y'all can sleep well at night. It's imperative that when you can't see well that you hear the right voices. Let's talk about blindness for a second. The Journal of Neuroscience and Oxford University recently teamed up to do a study of people without sight. They were blind. Their research shown that people who are blind actually have a more nuanced sense of hearing and processing auditory information than people with sight. Dr. Kelly Chang said it this way. She said, for a sighted person, having an accurate representation of sound isn't as important because they have sight to help them recognize objects. While a blind individual's main source of information is auditory. auditory. Simply put, for a blind individual, their ears are their eyes. In other words, when you become deficient in your sight, you get an amplified sense of hearing. Let me put that in layman's terms. When my ears don't work, or excuse me, when my eyes don't work, my ears do overtime. The same principle applies spiritually. When you cannot see what's in front of you, it simply means you're in a great position to hear the voice of Jesus. And the darker it gets, the louder Jesus wants to speak. Here's the problem. You can't see what he's saying. Oh, it's going to get better. I don't see it. I'm going to touch your body. I I don't see it. I'm going to heal your marriage. I I don't see it. And the question I've been asking myself is this. Can... I trust the voice of Jesus. It's, it's just, a, it's, it's, a, it, it's so easy to say yes up here. It's so easy to say yes when we rowdy in church. Can I trust the voice of Jesus even when I don't see? Can I trust the voice of Jesus even when it doesn't make sense? Can I trust the voice of Jesus even when I don't? understand. Probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in Proverbs chapter 3. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not. This is a mic stand here. It's got about a thousand dollar iPad where the musicians can read their notes. I'm thinking about leaning up against this thing. What do y'all think? Why not? 
Because whatever you lean up against, you trust. If you're leaning on something, you trust it. If you lean on something, you know it will support you. If you lean on something, you know it will sustain you. When things get dark, you can't lean on your understanding because you can't trust your understanding. We can't lean on our sight because we can't trust our sight. So we have to trust the voice of Jesus. Two blind men followed Jesus, and I believe the way they did it was by listening to his voice. I want to give you really quick, I want to give you three types of faith that you receive when you respond to God's voice. When you listen to God's voice, I want to give you three types of faith that you will receive. Number one, when, when you listen to and trust the voice of Jesus, number one, you will receive a faith that believes even when it doesn't see. A faith that believes even when it doesn't see. Go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This is the faith chapter. It says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I love how the New Living Translation says it. It says this. It says, faith is the confidence. I love that word confidence. Confidence. How does it work? I don't know, but I got confidence that it will. Listen to me. You don't have to know how it works to know that it will work. This week, I'm going to get on a 747. I'm going to get on an airplane that weighs 900,000. That's faith. It's confidence. You don't have to understand how it works to know that it will work. Faith is confidence that we will, what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance that about things we cannot see. It's faith that believes when we cannot see. Go back to our text, Matthew chapter 9. It says, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him calling out, have mercy on us. By the way, that's a great prayer to pray. Lord, have mercy on us. We need his mercy. Son of David, it says this, when Jesus had gone indoors, the blind men came to him. Listen to me. If blind men can follow Jesus, there is nothing that you and I face that can ever overshadow who he is. You can hear him no matter where you are in life. That is the promise of God. And he asked them this question, do you believe that I'm able to do this? I love their response. Yes, Lord. They didn't say, well, I'll tell you in a minute. i tell you if you can work this thing out. Let us go to the doctor to verify the miracle. Let's see if we get the results we desire. He says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. And I would ask us the same question today. Do you believe he's able to move on your behalf? Do you believe he's able to heal the cancer in your body? Do you believe, like the, the story we heard this morning, that he is able to bring the wayward and the prodigal son back home? Do you believe that he's still a miracle working God? Do you believe that God is able to hear your prayer and answer with a resounding yes? Do you believe that all things are possible? Do you believe he is able? And I know the church answers, yes, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I, I got that. But so often, our words and our actions are oxymoronic. See, it's our actions, not our words, that show the truth of what we really believe.
it's been many years. I was a young, young pastor, a youth pastor. I was counseling a man who was about to lose his business. And I asked him, I said, do you believe God can turn this thing around? He said, yes, I believe. I believe, I believe. I said, have you been praying? He goes, no. <laughs> and I said, you quit praying about it because you don't believe it. See, I don't think God is interested in a faith that talks the talk. I think he's interested in a faith that walks the walk. It's the kind of faith that will build an ark even when there isn't even rain in the forecast. It's the kind of faith that will march around the city for seven days and on the seventh day seven times and shout and expect the walls of the enemy to fall. It's the kind of faith that says you can throw me in a fiery furnace, but I'm still going to believe that he is able to deliver me from it. It's the kind of faith that takes a rock and a sling and says the same God who spared me and delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear will surely take down this Philistine. It's the same kind of faith that believes if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. It's the same kind of faith that will step out of a boat onto water and start walking because Jesus tells me to. It's the kind of faith that believes even when I can't see. That's the kind of faith I want. It's the kind of faith that makes people talk about you. What, a, what is she doing? It's unexplainable, baby. They're starting what? They're doing what? She's believing for what? I know you don't see it yet, but can you believe God for it anyway? It's faith that believes when it, even when you don't see. Number two, when I trust the voice of Jesus... I get a faith that persists even when nothing changes. It's a faith that persists even when nothing changes. Because sometimes you have faith for the cancer to be healed, but you're still sick. Sometimes you have faith for God to move the mountain, but there's still an uphill climb. You need a faith that persists even when nothing changes changes because you start believing for a while and then after a while you're like well wait wait a minute did did God really say that is it really going to happen see I told you one enemy of, of faith is sight write this down the second enemy of faith is time I need a faith that persists even when nothing changes the two blind guys in verse 27, say, have mercy on us, son of David. And it says this, the blind men came to him. I love this next part. When Jesus had gone indoors, the blind men came to him. Jesus keeps walking. He goes inside a house. We don't even know if these dudes were invited in. But that didn't stop them. They just went in the house too. Two blind dudes in a stranger's house. That's persistent. Their attitude was, he's either going to heal us or we're going to get arrested for trespassing. They came to a roadblock, a door, a stranger's house, but it didn't stop them. They kept walking. 
Why? Because scripture says walk by faith. Not walk by faith until you hit a wall. Not walk by faith until you hit a closed door. Walk by faith and keep walking. That's persistent faith. My son Tucker right here is the most persistent dude on the planet. Sometimes it aggravates the mess out of me, but sometimes I am so proud because that boy does not know the word no. I will say, Dad, can we, go, can we go shoot basketball? Later. How about now? It's later. That was 30 seconds ago. You said later. Can we shoot? I don't know. How about now? Can we shoot? I don't know. How about now? How about now? How about now? Can we shoot now? Can we shoot now? I just get tired of him asking, like, let's go shoot. And I think that's the way that our faith should be. Look at what Colossians 4.2 says. It says, be persistent in prayer. Keep, keep on asking. Keep on begging. Keep on seeking. Keep on trusting. Keep on believing. Be persistent in prayer and keep alert as you pray. Watch this. Giving thanks to God. Listen, what that means is when you live in a constant state of persistent faith, you can't help but thank God for things he hasn't even done yet. I remember we were trying to teach our kids uh, you know, the magic words, please and thank you. These are the magic words. Y'all remember that? And so Savannah was like four years old. And she said, uh, Dad, I want a cookie. I was like, no, 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 no. What's the magic words? She's like, oh, can I please have a cookie? And I was like, yeah, and I give her a cookie. And then she takes off. I was like, wait, 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 wait. What's the second word? Oh, thank you. Okay. She come back the next day. Uh, Dad? I want a cookie. Can I please have a cookie? She eat a cookie. She'd walk away. I was saying thank you. I was like, no, 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 you're not getting any more cookies. You didn't say thank you. This goes on for about two weeks. You know how she starts coming to me? Dad, can I please have a cookie? Thank you. <laughs> how are you going to tell your kid no? When they say please and thank you before you even do it. But isn't that what Jesus did? When he, when he had 5,000 men sitting out and he took some fish and some bread and he said, thank you, God. Thank you, Father. He thanked them before the miracle. Why? Because when your faith is persistent, you start thanking God for things that he hasn't even done yet. It's the power of thanksgiving. When you're persistent. Jesus tells a story about a persistent woman. It's in Luke 18. It says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come back and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust says. In verse 7, 
And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? What is he saying? He's God saying, if an unrighteous judge can be moved by persistence, how much more will our loving father in heaven hear the cries of those with persistent faith? God responds to a faith that does not give up even when nothing changes. I love how we do baptisms, right? And every once in a while, we'll have just spontaneous work. You need to, if you need to get baptized, if you repent, it's like today's your day. And we've seen people come up and do this. A few years back, we were, we were at Midtown, and I remember it was baptism Sunday, and this lady comes up after service, and she was just like snotting, crying. There's like crying, and there's just like, you don't care, snotting, crying. You know what I'm talking about? I think I just snotted on myself. I was thinking about using those masks, but we've got to use them next service. And so she comes up, and she's like crying, right? And she's snotting. And I says, why are you crying? She says, my son was baptized today. I was like, oh, praise God. That's amazing. And then she, she's, she says, you don't understand. I've been praying for him for 16 years. I thought I would never see this day. I can't tell you, Pastor Nick, how many times I said, God, this isn't working. You don't hear me. You don't care. You're not listening. This is useless. And today he gave his life to Jesus and he got baptized. He said, I'm so glad I never gave up. I'm here today to tell somebody, don't quit. Don't stop. Keep believing. Just keep praying. Just keep hoping. Just keep trusting. Why? Because God honors a persistent faith even when you don't see it. Can I close? Help me out, Vic. Number three. When you trust the voice of Jesus, you get a faith that works even when it doesn't make sense. That is an important one because the third enemy of faith is logic. Danny, sometimes it just don't make sense. If, if you follow Jesus, sometimes you've got to follow him when it doesn't make sense. Take your son up to Mount Moriah, Abraham, and sacrifice him. I'm a father. That doesn't make sense unless there's a ram in the thicket. What do you do when faith doesn't make sense? If you search the scriptures, one of my favorite chapters, Hebrews 11, I've already read it, gives us the only definition of faith in the entire Bible. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But if you read the next 40 verses, it tells you what faith actually is. Because over and over again, all throughout the Hebrews 11, you don't find definitions of faith 
you find demonstrations of faith. Why? Because faith is a verb. It's action. It's substance. And if you start reading, you'll see things like, by faith, Abel brought God an offering. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed and went. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. By faith, David. 40 verses of faith, but it's also 40 verses of action. Say this with me. Faith requires action. Let me put that in terms we can all understand. Faith don't work unless you do. Look at what James says. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Maybe you learned this way. Faith without works, a corresponding action, is dead. Listen to me. Faith isn't just something we have. It's something that we do. So I just want you to think about these two blind men as we close. Man, they wanted healing. Man, they wanted to see. And it says two blind men followed Jesus. Think about that. Two blind men following Jesus. Do you know how deliberate they had to be? I think he's over here. No, he's this way. They're probably holding each other's arms. They're listening. They're so intent. Do you know how dedicated they had to be? How intentional they had to be? It's hard work. It's difficult. It doesn't make sense at times. And you cannot, we cannot expect our faith to move God if it first doesn't move us first. We got a part to play. And I'm talking about the most practical things, y'all. I'm going to get to big faith in a second. I'm talking about the practical things. I've heard people say, Lord, get me out of debt. And you keep buying junk on your piece of plastic. How do you expect God to put in the work when you hadn't put the work in first, boo? I've heard people say in South Louisiana, God, heal my body. Why are you pumping it full of Buddha and cracklings? Lord, heal my addiction. And you have no accountability and you keep refilling that prescription. You can't just pray, Lord, open the doors. If you're not first willing to take a blind step. I think for most of us, it's not that we don't have faith. I think we all have faith. I know for me, sometimes my faith is just incomplete. Look at what James continues to say. But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. 
You believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Watch this. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Watch this. You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. I don't want to settle for incomplete faith. I want faith when I can't see it, when it doesn't make sense, when it's not logical, when people look at you and say, say what? I have complete faith when my beliefs and my actions are working together. There's this animal that I, I become quite enamored with. I want to put a picture of it on the screen. It's found in Africa. It's called an African impala. Can we, can we put that picture on the screen? The African. By the way, that's an elephant on the right. <laughs> the African impala is the one on my left. There he is. The, the African Impala from a standstill has a high jump of 10 feet. That's crazy. 10 feet. It can jump from, its hind legs can get over a basketball goal from a standstill. Its broad jump is 30 feet. That's crazy. That's some hops. Well, watch this. You can go to zoos in America and they will keep the African impala in a fence that is less than four feet tall. Why, why is that? Because the African impala does not have the ability to jump over anything if it cannot see where its feet land. I don't want to be like the African Impala. I want to be the type of man who will jump even when I can't see. Can I tell you a story? The last few months, Rachel and I found ourselves in a situation where God was asking us to jump even when we couldn't see. I got to deal with the enemies of faith too. I, I can't just preach about it. There, there's times when we're making decisions that I put the cat one on. We, we, we face the enemies of faith too. But, but how many of you know that we can't just be the type of pastors who preach walk by faith? 
that when Jesus asks us to jump, we got to jump too. We got to walk this thing out too. Before I can tell you the season we've been walking through, we, I got to back up because three years ago, y'all know my story. Man, I crashed. I crashed hard. It started in September of 2018 when I picked my son up from a practice. And at the time, he was eight years old, nine years old. And he looks over at me. I can't even look at him. And he said, Dad, why are you so sad? Why are you always sad? And what he didn't know was the wrestle and the torment that was happening on the inside of me. The thoughts of ending it. And thank you to Pastor Eugene and Ms. Heidi who helped us, helped me get the help that we need. And for five months, I didn't come to church. We, we took a sabbatical. I didn't preach. There was days I couldn't even get out of bed. I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to hear anybody. I was having thoughts just to, to end it. I don't know if you've ever been in a dark place, but it's as dark as it can get. I remember when we were coming out of it, I, I made comments to myself like, I'll never pass there again. I'll never preach again. I'm, I'm done. And it was a journey. And that journey took me and my family to, to Opelousas. And I will say this as boldly as I can say it. Opelousas, Louisiana saved me. It was, a, it was our redemption moment. I never forget, I, I stood on an auditorium stage at Opelousas High School and preached for the first time in seven months. And God reminded me, you're called, son. And he took me to Opelousas to tell me that. And he placed the big brother in my life named Eugene Reisner. And that's what he's been. He's been an incredible big brother. You know what big brothers do, though? They'll give you nuggies. They'll beat up on you, but they really always want something better for you than they really want for themselves. And it's been three years, and this has really become just a place of comfort for us. But two months ago, we started hearing the voice of Jesus. He was telling us to get out of the boat. I don't want to get out of the boat. No, you need to get out of the boat. And do what? Just trust me. And I felt like the African Impala. It's like, Jesus, I can't jump out this boat. I love it. I love it here. 
And so finally we said, uh, okay, Lord, this is your voice. We're going we're gonna to jump out of the boat. And so it is with a bittersweet heart today that we announce to you that Rachel and I are going to jump out of the boat and we are going to step down as the pastors of OSC, Opelousas. And it's bitter because you've been our home. And the best people on the planet live in St. Landry Parish. But what kind of leader would I be if I couldn't walk out what I preach? And as hard as this is for us, this is hard, y'all. We know what the voice of Jesus said. He said, jump, even when you can't see. And then the sweet part is that it's sweet because when he speaks, it means he has something for you. And we had the conversation with Pastor Eugene and Miss Heidi. And God confirmed through them everything that we're saying. And what was crazy was three days after we said we're going to jump out of the boat, we got a call unbeknownst to us what was happening somewhere else. And that's the way that God works. When he's speaking to you, he's speaking to somebody else. And all we can tell you is we got a call, and it's an incredible opportunity in Rachel's hometown to go and take a position there. And we can't give you all the details because they haven't made all the announcements on their end yet. And when we get all the information, we're going to tell you. But all I can tell you is that God spoke. And the greatest example I can ever speak, the greatest sermon I can ever preach, is not one that I speak. It's one that I walk out. And we want to walk this thing out. say anything we just want to say I love you too thank you for loving us the way you did you'll always be our family I hope to come back and maybe preach one day. <laughs> and when we get all the information and there's still things we're working out, you pray for us because we don't know all the answers. And there's still a lot of things we got to work out on the other side of this. We're walking by faith. And when we get all the answers, I promise you we're going to let you know. But we love you dearly. We love you fiercely. Thank you. This has been the most impactful three years of my life. For me, for my family, for my children. We love it here. We love you. Thank you.
we're, we're going we're gonna to pray for Pastor Nick and Rachel. And, uh, but I, I just want to add to the story. Uh, many of you know Pastor Jim LaFoon, who is Pastor Jacob's pastor and oversees all of our Savior's church. We were backstage 30 months ago. 30 months. And he asked to see Pastor Nick and Rachel. And uh, so we brought Pastor Nick and Rachel in and he said, I just have a word. You know, Pastor Jim really operates in a very prophetic gift, scary prophetic. Like he's prophesied over the governor of Governor Blanco. He prophesied over her that Katrina was coming before it came. And brought Pastor Nick and Rachel in and he said, you found your people, but you haven't found your place yet. 30 months, 30 months. And he, he gave some other details. And we took that as, wow, that's awesome. We're going to see some other sites come. Pastor Nick, it's going to be great because we, we kind of knew, you know, something was up here. Well, 30 months from that prophecy is February 1st. And that's when the other work wants to receive them. And now looking back over that prophetic word, we go, this was the hand of God all along. It's been the hand of the Lord. When God's moving like that, it means it's what's best for Pastor Nick and Rachel. It's what's best for Tucker and Savannah. It's what's best for (laughs) Mama and Daddy. It's what's best for Pastor Eugene and Heidi. It's what's best for you. It's what's best. You never lose with God. It's always win-win. It's always win. Everybody wins. Pastor Nick will be back here to preach because he's going to take me hunting when he comes back to, at his hunting lease. And uh, of course, we're, we're family. We're family. And that doesn't matter what location you're at, we're family. And so I want you to, we're, gonna, we're going to pray for them and you go, well, what's... what's because you do this, right? You go, well, what's going to happen to me? <laughs> How many of you are thinking that right now? You lie, you fry. You're in church. You'll go straight to hell. All right, you go, well, what's going to happen here? I thank God for Pastor Nick and Rachel. Heidi and I both do. Because let me tell you what they did for us. They gave us seven months to step out a little bit. We needed the seven months. We needed the rest. We needed the restoration. And that was the first thing when Pastor Nick and Rachel came and said, pray with us over this. Here's what's happening. Let's see, what is God saying? And uh, Pastor Jacob, Michelle, pray. Pastor Jim, we, we, we all circled them and just said, let's, let's see what God is saying. And uh, uh, my first thought was, I guess, you know, I'm going to have to step back in. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> Heidi's like, get out the way. Where's my purse? Hold my purse. (laughs) Heidi and I thank God for Pastor Nick and Rachel. Gave us a chance to breathe, restore, renew, refresh. And we feel the wind of God too. We go, well, you know what? These are our people. Y'all are our people. What an honor it is. Pastor Nick and Rachel are 100% right. There's not a finer group of people in the world than in St. Landry Parish. And North Lafayette Parish. Because I know some of you (laughs) drove in from the crow. I see them over there. (laughs) 
we, it's, our, it's our honor, our privilege. In fact, we're really excited about, we'll just step back in. I mean, that's, we, we just keep rolling. We're going to just keep on rolling. So I, I, we're going to pray for Pastor Nick and Rachel. And I know they're going to be around. They're, they're going to be around. They're not leaving today. You're going to see them over the weeks. He'll probably preach one of the Christmas sermons for us. And, uh, but I, we wanted you to know, and that gives them some freedom to start making logistics and without, you know, just they've been carrying this for a long time and we wanted them to get free too. So would, would you, I'm asking you to do something for them. Would you pray for them? Would you surround them? Would you say we're going to stand with them? They've invested in you. Now would you repay back and invest in them? And, and we want to just pray. They're going to do an amazing job there. And you're a part of it because we become part of one another. Now you're having influence. I didn't know if you know this, Opelousas. You're going to be influencing Birmingham, Alabama. They need a little bit of that. They need a little bit. How many of you know Roll Tide needs a little LSU? Come on, up in the house. <laughs> and see, we got a little Roll Tide here <laughs> in LSU country. Would, Heidi, would you want to say something, baby? You sure? Would you stretch your hand toward Pastor Nick and Rachel? You're going to have time to hug them and love on them and tell them thank you, and I want you to. Write a card, put in a gift card, love on them, let them know the difference they've made in your life. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for your servants. You, You sent us a gift. You sent us a gift in Nick and Rachel. And, Father, we thank you for it. Father, the the seeds that have been planted in our life, even today's message, just kind of the crown jewel of to walk by faith and not by sight. And then, Father, you ask us to do the very things that we preach, that we got to walk by faith and not by sight. Father, we know it's been confirmed over and over again that this is the Lord. And so, Father, we walk this out in full confidence, knowing on Nick and Rachel's behalf, we pray for that end. Father, that every seed they planted here would be reaped there. Such is the kingdom you plant in one field and you reap in another. Not just Opelousas, but Midtown Campus and Lafayette for the 12 years that they've served here. Father, that they would reap on that side everything they planted here with favor, revelation, strength, energy, burden. Father, that you would deposit it upon them. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for what you're going to do, what you're going to do there. And Lord, we also know that you can do two things at once. You can do a new thing right here in the very community in which we live. And so, Father, we just pray over that, that both of us would see the hand and the blessing of God. Father, knowing that your hand was upon this. So we bless them today. We ask that you rest upon them and that your favor would be with them. And we ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. One more time, Pastor Nick.